Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And we are coming to you still split between St. Louis and Sioux City. Sadly. But, but we can join each other online. We can. I, Father Shane, I think we, a few episodes ago, made some sort of like hopeful comment that we would somehow cross paths more this summer, and I just, I don't think it's going to happen. There's going to be a couple of days in July. I'm hopeful. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. We got Steubenville in there, though, that I'm going to. We got some other stuff. Kind of run around. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be more around Sioux City in late July and early August, so we'll find some times. But right now, you're right. June, early July. Here we are. Vibing with the, uh, yeah, with the online connections, hoping that my weird, it's like <sighs> the chance your Wi-Fi is kind of spotty, but then this part of, so then I usually do like the, the uh, wireless hotspot, but then right. sometimes my phone that gets wonderful service all the time just in this particular part of Sioux City is just not, not fantastic. So we're, we're working with what we got. Well, I can hear you loud and clear, so hopefully it's still recording okay. Good. Well, I think so. Yeah, see what happens. But I'll let you know if I can't hear. Anything. What's new in the Lou, Father Shane, as they call it well, sometimes? You know, Not um, really, but some people call it that. What's new? You know, I was just at a Cardinals game recently. Um, first for me, first Cardinals game of the uh, the baseball year this year for the season. Uh, the Cardinals are kind of struggling this year. Is that you right? Know, not going to lie. St. Louis people are feeling a little angst over the the Cardinals schedule. Um, we took all the Behold the Man guys there. It was just nice to get out of the house, especially after their eight-day silent retreat. Oh, sure. And um, we just had a lovely evening. There was not a lot of humidity. It was about 72 degrees, you know, at the time of the first pitch. And uh, beautiful sunset. So, you know, just a picturesque night for American baseball. Are you a big, I mean... I don't know where you kind of fall in like the engagement sports. I know you're not like a big follow a bunch of sports kind of guy, but how do you, I mean, how do you watch a baseball game? I ask because I always kind of struggle, but I know sure. certain guys are like really into just like following it. There's even the hardcore guys who like kind of, they're, they're you know, they're keeping track of everything in their own sure. little like uh, record book things. Yeah, no, I enjoy sports. I'm not a, I'm not like following ESPN stats every single morning. Um, I don't have that kind of time. But for me, it's it's just fun to kind of take in the whole atmosphere. Uh, but I just like the competitiveness of the game, especially if it's a really really close game. I would much rather, you know, have a nail biter down to the bottom of the ninth inning than have some blowout game. You know, even if we're up by ten runs at the, at the bottom of the fourth. Mm. Um, so yeah, I enjoy the competitiveness. I enjoy kind of. Um, in really cl- clutch plays, whether it's a double play, home run, whatever. Um, yeah, for me, there, there's just a lot of excitement. But I didn't play baseball a lot growing up as a kid because it's just not a very fast-paced game. Yes. But now as an adult, I find it to be really relaxing, especially after a long day in a parish setting. There's been some heavy things going on. Um, you know, watching baseball, you know, on a summer evening can be, can nice. be very therapeutic. So I have a really short attention span, as you've noticed. Um <laughs> <laughs> probably a lot uh, in our relationship um yeah. that becomes very apparent when i go to a baseball game and yeah. when i was in st louis for four years there were there's 
when you live in Ooh, a look, base- what's on the jumbotron? Ooh, uh, no, 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 it's there. like this. It's like this. <laughs> in a baseball city, there's lots of free tickets that are floating around all the time, right? Because there's right. always this group, the Knights of Columbus from wherever, got 20 tickets, and there's a few random left. So, like, we would have opportunities to go to Bush Stadium often, which was fun, which was great. Mm-hmm. And I did not, growing up where we have in Northwest Iowa, I did not. I had a particular NFL affiliation growing up with the Broncos, mm-hmm. and in the Denver Broncos. My dad was born in Colorado, but like baseball was kind of up in the air. So it was fun when I lived in close to Kansas City. My friends were Royals fans. I would go and enjoy. I wasn't a bandwagon guy. It was just like I'm here for the good times, and I'm going to go hang out at the Royals. So my first year at St. Louis, a guy gave me a Cardinals t-shirt and it stayed folded in my closet and it only came wow. out every single time I went to a random Cardinals game. And then I gave it to another guy, an out of town guy when I left and I said, use this, you know, wisely. Um, but I always say I have about a four inning attention span because I'm there for the cultural experience. I'm there for the, I'm there for the, the overpriced food, you know, I'm there for the, whatever, the, the hot dog, whatever the experience, I love it. But then it gets a little boring after a while. Um, However, I just want to share the best the best Cardinals game I ever went to was when if you I might I don't think I've shared this I hope I haven't if I have it's still still funny there was a time where the Cardinals and Cubs were playing each other right after exactly that's it yeah right after the uh, the Cubs had won the World Series it was the next season and this right. guy did I ever told you this one where the the the, the guy tried to rob a foul ball and flipped over the wall and a Cardinals. No, I heard a, this. Okay. This is great. Cubs outfielders trying to rob a foul of, you know, a pop fly foul ball. He flips over the wall and a Cardinals fan had just, you know, probably spent like $30 on a thing of nachos is a full thing of nachos. And as the Cubs player flips over his cleat comes up and kicks the nachos and it spills all over this guy's just all over this guy. So that became the thing. It would keep revisiting that every single between innings and between plays and stuff. Where's the nacho guy? And it like cut back to him at one point. He wasn't there. Cut back to him. The stadium gave him free nachos, but then he also bought his own nachos. So he's got two nachos. The guy who kicked his nachos gave him a free baseball at the end of the evening. Um, So I'm like that, that kind of stuff. That's what I'm here for. Random entertaining stuff that happens in the context of that nacho guy. I'll stay for a whole game. Uh, Boring baseball. I don't know. I'm <laughs> of all the plays of all the home runs of all the major strikeouts you saw nacho guy remains the nacho guy I'm here for the nacho guys of the world so well there was a there was a narration there there was there was something to keep drawing your attention back inning after inning after inning to see where is the nacho guy up on the jumbotron now and what's going on Care about the him. nacho guy that's right <laughs> yeah so Wild. while while Cardinals baseball is riveting nacho guy is obviously even more riveting father Shane what do you have for <laughs> us to chat about this day you know, I was in a conversation recently um, with Deacon Jim Keating here on the faculty, and um, he had given a homily, and we were kind of talking about it, and he was making reference to some of the Desert Fathers. Uh, if that's a term that, you know, a lot of our listeners don't know, in the early church, in the early centuries of the church, there were lots of Desert Fathers between Tur- modern-day Turkey, Syria, the Palestine area, Egypt, um, well, we would call the, the, the East today, right? Yeah, throughout the East, the Near East, the Middle East, there were a, a lot of great witnesses, confessors of the faith, even martyrs of the faith, uh, early hermits, who did quite a bit of writing and had an enormous spiritual depth, and, and we're still gleaning the resources and the treasures of all of their spiritual insights. And uh, in this conversation and in what Deacon Keating was preaching about, uh, we were talking about some of the Desert Fathers who who discussed that 
in our own healing process, in our own self-growth process, the thoughts are always that which gets healed last. You know, understanding the need to kind of be reconciled to one another, as we discussed in our previous episode, uh, understanding maybe the, the way that we govern our own behavior in terms of our speech and our actions, our gestures. But when it comes to really governing our thoughts, the Desert Fathers often will, would speak about um, healing the thoughts that come last. You know, what, what, are, the, what are the moments of, of bitterness or grudges that we hold on to? What are the impurities that can fill an imagination? Um, what are the presumptions that we have of other people? And, and how do we actually heal those thoughts? And, and when those thoughts aren't healed, they start to spin. And uh, ruminations just starts to take over. And we can become fixated on a lot of negative thoughts. And I think what's so surprising to so many people, it wasn't surprising to some of the great desert fathers, but what's so surprising in our day and age is you can tell people, guess what? You actually can control your thoughts. Mm. <laughs> you are not, you know, the uh, the victim of a mind that just runs wild, of which you have mm. no governance over. Mm. Now, apart from you know deep seated psychoses and, and mental illness, that, that's a separate issue that needs to be treated with you know medical care. But in the general functioning of the human mind, we actually do have willpower, and we actually do get con- get to control our thoughts, uh, which I think is extremely. Um, comforting to know that we are just not the victim of intrusive thoughts, whether that comes from spiritual attack or whether it just comes from our own rumination uh, of self-loathing comments or judgments about others, presumptions about others. We actually can control our thoughts. Does that make sense? Yep. And thinking about these desert fathers who literally were in the desert, it's like (laughs) in silence, right? So much of the time or just kind of in the wilderness as it were, as it was, um, they were actually dealing with their thoughts Right, that's the thing that we don't often actually pay attention to what we're thinking. Um, I was able to experience a thirty-day silent retreat years ago, mm-hmm. and I run my mouth a lot. So when I kind of <laughs> sin or when I'm weak, it's usually from my speech and what I say and who I interact with. So I thought to myself, how could I possibly really sin on this thirty-day retreat? I'm just with myself and my thoughts and praying with God and talking to my spiritual director and going to mass. And then Father Shane, there were all these really annoying guys who were also on the retreat with me. <laughs> and I'm sure I was annoying to them as well. But it was it was interesting that like having the, 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 the discipline of a silent retreat, just like the monks had the discipline of the desert, I was so much more attentive to what I was thinking, right? So that, that mm-hmm. there was actually like a real examination of conscience that followed that I was surprised by, right? I was surprised mm-hmm. by my lack of patience and not just saying that in like the colloquial, well, I just need to be more patient, Father. It's like, no, a, re- a real lack of like suffering with these brothers or seeing the good in them, um, a real lack of understanding that was there, you know? And I recognized that as th- that was happening in this, in this realm of my thoughts, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I think, the first time I was kind of awakened to that, um, that my thoughts aren't just these things in the background, one, that they're actually a place that can be like offered to God in prayer, thoughts, feelings, desires. That was really helpful to learn and to understand and to experience recently. But then for that too, to realize, oh wait, my thoughts can actually be a place of a brokenness as well that needs healing, right? And if it mm-hmm. needs healing, it means that like my willpower then can can respond there. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think that's well stated because in our culture that we live in today, we don't actually step back and, and do some time to reflect on what are my thoughts? What are the patterns that are developing mentally in me? And if you're doing a 30-day retreat, you would certainly have plenty of time and opportunity to notice those interior movements. But when we're constantly governed and stimulated from the outside, you know, whether that's television, billboards, conversations, uh, social media, constantly on our phones, mm-hmm. there, there isn't a lot of, t- we don't provide ourselves a lot of opportunity and time to do that introspection to say, where is my mind going? Yeah. Is it wandering off into unhealthy areas? Does it stay committed to holy and sanctifying things? Does it fixate on images that would be worthy of heaven? Does it see others as brothers and sisters in Christ? Does it does it constantly get wrapped up in negative self-talk, beating myself down? Or does it does it, you know, positively enforce that I'm a beloved child of God? I I don't think we spend enough time stepping back and actually reflecting on the reflection, right? Like the mind can actually think about itself, and we can actually think about what are the what are the patterns of thought that keep surfacing, and how do I actually govern that and just say I'm not going to think about that anymore? No, set that aside. Move on towards this. No, not going down that dark and scary road anymore. Going to go do this. We actually do have the willpower to do that, and, and I think that's very liberating. And I think we have to keep reminding ourselves of that. And it's a work. That's not just. Uh, trying harder. What I'm thinking of right now is a few different things, but Bishop Herman, who used to, uh, retired auxiliary bishop of St. Louis, used to live, with, live at the seminary. He would often say to men, he would often say to people throughout the diocese that especially in our contemporary, like, kind of epidemic of pornography abuse, right, that's happening, that the woundedness that comes after that right the, the the woundedness of those images that are still that are that are floating around in your mind that you can't seem to control he would always talk about counteracting that with beautiful images right and he would often talk about the uh, especially the stations of the cross and mm-hmm. how not just like oh yeah like you looked at something bad so now look at something good but to say actually the beautiful image of of god become man and his body given for us can be a healing experience and that that's a work that's there that doesn't say i'm just going to sit there in my room and say i'm going to try really hard not to think about these things right mm-hmm. but it's gonna i'm actually going to counteract that with thinking of things that are good but actually filling my 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 vision filling my thoughts filling my time with beautiful things right and that's where i think that like you said we don't pay attention to our thoughts but we also don't pay attention to what influences our thoughts you know mm-hmm. you've talked about this in the past with different like you know, lyrics of what we're actually listening to on in music and things like that. And I think that's where hopefully a, a rediscovery of the beautiful, right, in art, music, literature, these are places of actually filling our mind, filling our thoughts with things that are beautiful and of God rather than the things that are of earth. And that's not a that's not a puritanical way of living life, right? But to right. to realize it's like I think too often we just think that there's going to be no consequences of just looking at TikTok all day long. There's no mm-hmm. consequences of just like mindlessly scrolling on whatever your favorite favorite social media. There's no consequences of just watching like six Netflix shows in a row, kind of binging those. It's like mm-hmm. no, it's fine. There's no consequence for that. Um, no, there there is right. <laughs> um, and even if it's just a kind of a numbing and a dulling of our of our intellect of our senses. I think if you're attentive to it, like you're saying over time, you can realize that, oh, this is actually affecting how I think about myself and others, about God. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the images that we're constantly downloading on the brain, 
they do impact just the, the reflective nature of our mind, the images that we're considering, um, but they also prevent us from actually going towards those sacred images that you talked about, something that would be holy and nurturing and life-giving. Um, and I think from those images, when the imagination gets stained, when the imagination gets tainted, that then starts to affect a lot of other thought patterns mm. of, of where reason takes us, uh, where the comparison games start with other people. And, and it's often rooted in an unhealthy imagination. Um, just let, let, me, let me just briefly quote an article that was back from uh, a French journalist back in 2018 uh, from the news source Aletia. Um, this journalist was quoting um, Evagrius, which is one of the desert fathers of the 4th century from Turkey. And, and he points out that there are eight psychological sicknesses of a spiritual origin. Um, now, obviously, when we're talking about one of the Desert Fathers of the 4th century, there was no modern-day psychology. But I think a lot of psychologists would support this today and, in fact, are seeing that the Desert Fathers knew what they were talking about. And when it comes to um, some psycholo- psychological sicknesses of a spiritual origin, he points out that there's greed, a pathological relationship to sex, a pathological relationship to money, sadness, aggressiveness, asadia, which is kind of like a, a laziness or a boredom, vanity and pride. Mm-hmm. And these now, are colloquially those, talked about as the eight evil thoughts in Eastern yeah. circles. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that, that has that same parallel there, mm-hmm. uh, which the you know Eastern Christians have, have consistently uh, developed in, in greater thought and specificity. Mm-hmm. Um, but those eight psychological sicknesses... Um, can really start to govern a mind. And if you don't step back and wonder, how do I fall into those traps? What patterns of those is my mind racing after? And how do I govern that in a way that's going to be more healthy and holistic? Uh, Then, you know, the the grace of Christ and and the power of Christian conversion hasn't fully come upon you, right? That there's still a whole area of your life in terms of inner thought that has yet to be reconciled, that has yet to be healed, that has yet to be converted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it sounds like you, you're you familiar with these these eight. Patterns. Yeah, so my Byzantine friends talk about them a lot, and Mother Natalia, Father Michael Lachlan. You know, we had Father Michael on the podcast, and they have mm-hmm. What God Is Not. Um, Evagrius and these different Desert Fathers, they're such a pivotal uh, reference point in Eastern theology, especially mm-hmm. you know Byzantine monasticism. As my friends at Christ the Bridegroom are attempting to live kind of a, continuation of the monasticism that began with these desert fathers they're always Mm -hmm. a point of reference right so much so like so often in the western church right aquinas is a point of reference augustine is a point of reference right these desert fathers of agrius and some of these other guys are like they're the guys especially for monks especially for nuns who they're getting to um what i think i've actually i've gleaned from them so often when they chat about that mother natalia and father michael is that there's you know, there's an obvious comparison. There's an obvious um, correlation between what we would say the the seven deadly sins and these eight evil thoughts. But something mm-hmm. I've just noticed, and it's not a criticism of just our Western thought, but a temptation we can fall into, and not to just bring up confession again, but I think it's important because you mentioned healing, Father Shane, and that's what was coming up in me as you were sharing all of this. I think too often we treat confession kind of like a judicial experience, right? We have offended God who is this you know, good judge, we've done something wrong. So therefore it's kind of just like, um, 
I'm coming to to kind of you know remedy this kind of judicial uh, discrepancy that's happened or something. But we we say it sometimes, but I think practically, folks, and I know myself, I think we often forget that confession is a sacrament of healing, right? Where the it's not just a sacrament of being made right back, brought back into you know justification with God, but the mm-hmm. glorification that follows through the sacraments is an experience of being healed. And I think that's where this is really helpful, that an Eastern thought of the sacraments and an Eastern thought of like what sin is, is a disease that needs to be healed, right? And sometimes that's my fault, and sometimes that's not my fault, but regardless of where my own kind of um, culpability lies, there's always still need for healing, um, and, and Christ wants to meet us there. So I think exactly what you were getting back to at the very beginning of this, that our thoughts are a place that there can be distortion, but there's also a, a reordering that Christ can bring. And that happens mm-hmm. through the sacraments. That happens through our daily prayer of inviting him into that place of, of our thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So for any of our listeners who might be thinking like, um, boy, I just kind of feel haunted by my thoughts. There's a lot of negativity that's surfacing. First of all, I would bring that to prayer. Um, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to kind of guide your thinking, to guide the inner mental faculties, uh, and ask the Lord for healing, particularly of the imagination. Uh, but that also might require, how do I talk about this with a trusted friend, a spiritual director, a mental health counselor? These negative thoughts that we're talking about aren't necessarily some major psychosis that needs a, a psychological you know, um, diagnosis of a pathology but they can be just negative patterns that all of us can fall into sinfully. Um, and it's good to kind of get that out in the open and talk about that and share that with others so that one doesn't feel like they're they're trotting along this, this pathway all by themselves and that they're really isolated in this regard, uh, but that they can also say by naming it uh, and by identifying it and articulating that, it's a really easy way to say, I'm going to start controlling this. Uh, I'm going to start having some governance over my interior thoughts so that I don't feel like I'm just out of control in my own mind. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah. That's true. Well, Father, thanks for joining us today. And uh, thanks to all of our listeners. Hopefully these comments and thoughts and reflections are, are pretty helpful. And let's keep one another in prayer as we seek to govern our own thoughts. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time. And God bless. God bless.